a few, actually about a month from to what I was talking about, because I, I believe this, if, if you're with us and you're new with us, we just feel like the Lord is just saying, what's it look like to be a disciple? The, the scripture is real clear that he said to go and disciple the nations. If, if we're not being disciples, we'll never disciple the nations. Because disciples turn into disciple makers. Uh, not inspired followers. Not just people that attend church. It's only the disciples. And I don't mean the 12 disciples. I mean you. That are going to change the world. He still has a plan. And he's still looking for disciples. Those who will hear the call of the teacher. Those who will hear the call of what he's doing. And so I want to talk a little bit today about the foundational truth to know you're chosen. And I, I, I touched on this for about 10 minutes one day. Um, but I really felt like the Lord began to show me some things. And, and this is the example he gave me last night. I knew this is when we were heading in a new direction. It, he said, I, I, wanna, I want you to read the scripture about G, uh, Peter walking on the water. And I'm actually not preaching out of that today. Sometimes the Lord has to ring my bell to get my attention, right? So he's like, read that. And he said, what happened with Peter? Why didn't he stay up? That's what the Holy Spirit asked me. He said, why? Jesus said, come on, Peter. You want to do it? Let's do this. Let's walk on the water. And Peter, I love his boldness. He says, okay. And he steps out of the boat and he starts walking. But then it says this. It says, then he looked at the waves. And I'm sure he felt the wind. And he thought to myself, this is not supposed to be happening. Because I'm a fisherman and I know all about waves. And I know all about water. And I'm not supposed to be walking on top of them. And what he began to do, he began to sink, right? And I heard the Lord say, if you don't keep your eyes on truth, you'll never walk above the circumstances. If you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, the winds and the waves are constantly going to be pulling you down. We know the second example of that is in in Matthew 13, when it says the seed of the kingdom, it actually went into a really good place in your heart but the, the deceitfulness of the world and the cares and troubles of the world choked it out. What was going on? The seed lost track of the sun. And I, I just feel like that what I want to talk to you about today, about this idea of being chosen, and, and that it's not, it, first of all, it's not for just the special in the room, it's for everyone. And that's the most dangerous place we, we got with this you know, in, in, in church history, is that it, it becomes that you're only chosen and I'm not. But God says we're all chosen. And I'm going to show you what knowing that truth and keeping your eyes on it will begin to do for you. But before I do that, I'm going to give a couple prophetic words. Hopefully online, some of you are getting prophetic words. I have Timothy on there and I think Elizabeth's given some. So if you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, go over to Facebook and you might get a word. So... Uh, but I actually, I just, I had a really unique vision this week for someone in here and, and I just want to share that. And I feel like the Lord actually gave me a little bit of interpretation. So Lindell, I'm going to ask you to stand up. This is Lindell. He's a man of God. And the Lord told me to start it that way. Cause you are a man of God. And I don't, I don't know your history. I don't know your family history, but I feel like there's some legacy in God in there. And, and the Lord showed me this vision. He said there were all these like ancient books and they were, they were full of truths and encounters and breakthroughs and they were like, they were like your family. And, and, and you saw them and you valued them. They were like a treasure possession to you. But then when it came to your book, I saw you looking at it and you felt like it was small and incomplete. And I heard the Lord tell him that no, it's the opposite. Those books are going to translate into the book of your life being bigger and greater than the books behind you. And I saw that the Lord is actually today recalibrating your belief system that you're not smaller and you're not a stopgap to the next generation. You are a breaker for what God wants to do. And he's saying, I've literally made you a bigger book than the other books. And it's not in comparison. It's how I work. I build from generation to generation. So he doesn't want you to look at those books and compare yourself and say, I'm less than. He says, no, I want you to look at those books and say, I get everything they have plus who I am. 
And he said, in that, that was going to show you that all of a sudden the book of your life is going to expand to such a degree that there will be no pride in it, but you will know what they have attained, I live in. And what I have attained, I live in. And now I saw your book becoming bigger than those books. And the Lord is saying they're bi- it's bigger because your heart has said, God, what's the plan for me? And he goes, i got to tell you how great it is and how big it is so that you can run around in it. Because if you keep the book small, you're going to feel hemmed in. You keep the book small, you're going to feel like, God, they did all the cool stuff and I'm just, I'm just living. And God says it's nothing like that. And he's literally rewriting some things. But most of all, he's showing you the book is big and that you're powerful. And that you're a man of God. And when people say, hey, what is it about Lindell? They're not going to talk about your gifts. They're not going to talk about your anointings. They're going to say, that guy is a man of God. And that's God's declaration over you today. And it's powerful. And it's true. And he just blesses you with it. Let's just all reach our hands out to Lindell right now. And Lindell, I just say this over you. that, That we're for you. And just the feeling that you're feeling right now of a room full of people that are for you. Now I want you just to look up to heaven and say, oh, heaven's doing the same thing. They're for me. And if they're for me, who can be against me? And so we just bless you right now. We bless the call, the destiny, the anointings on your life. And we bless that book, that great big book. And we say, fill it up with testimonies of God's goodness and his love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, Tim told me just be ready uh, in case, because he wanted to start with some prophetic, and so as I was sitting there, I don't have eyes in the back of my head, but the Holy Spirit does, so as I was sitting there, I could feel the Lord give me a word for somebody behind me, and now I know who it is. Um, it's you right there, served by yourself? Yeah. Can you stand up? What's your name? Nathan? I'm Chris. Nice to meet you. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I like it. Come on. I like that jacket, by the way, while you're working on that. Looks good on you. All right. Um, Here's what I saw is you were standing kind of like in a a pit, um, and it was almost like a big cave system, and there was a rope running up, but you really didn't have a way to, like, get a good hold of the rope. And I saw you, or I just saw kind of like a person step up, and, and now I know it was you, that you needed something from the Lord and there was like different things that you were talking about and trying, but it wasn't working. But then his love came in and I saw it was kind of cheesy because it was, it was like little hearts that were tying themselves into the rope. And, um, as, as you looked up, they were getting bigger and bigger. And the Lord was saying, all you need right now to ascend out of some different things or even just to completely leave some, leave some stuff behind for the rest of your life is his love. And each one became a step. And as you got bigger and bigger, the Lord was journeying and you kept, you were forgetting about what was beneath you and you were ascending with him into just amazing things. But it was all hinging on his love. If that was not woven into that journey, it was going to be so much more difficult. You were going to ha- have handles on the rope. But the Lord says that he is pouring out his love like crazy on you. And can we just um, stretch out your hand towards Nathan? And I just say love encounter with God like never before. Even if you've been knocked out several times, even if you've just had the Lord show up in your bedroom, whatever it may be, no matter your history, I just say, Lord, increase because your love knows no ends. And let, let each step along the way become more clear. And may Nathan be able to cling to your love and just see something even greater in his life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, that's worth recording. That's good. All right. Just, just one more. This one's really short. Uh, to the young man in the back with the white shirt on and tie, did you stand up? What's your name? Devante. Have we, we met. Have, we, have you been here before? I thought so. Yeah, yeah. I, I just... During communion, I, I looked back and saw you, and the Lord said, tell him he's chosen. And I'm just, I, I'm literally, as a father in the faith, pointing at you and saying, you're chosen. You're chosen. And, and even, I felt like there's been almost something like motivating you to come. You're like, what am I doing? It's because you're chosen. And God just wants you to know that. And the journey he's about to take you on 
of discovery of who you are and who he is is radical and extreme. And he says, get with some people because they're going to start telling you things about yourself that you don't believe yet. Surround yourself with some people and, and God says, and I'm going to start telling you and you're going to tell people and they're going to confirm it and you're going to get so excited. I see so much fire coming off of you as you just keep saying yes to the Lord. So we just bless you right now and we just say you're chosen, you're chosen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, here's what I want everyone else to do. I, I, I'm going to end the prophetic time with that, but I want you to know you're all chosen. And there are days where God calls out specific people to tell them why, because they need it at that moment. There was a day where Paul was, name was Saul then, riding on a donkey, and God knocked him off his donkey and said, this is who I am. And Paul said, what are you doing? He says, I've chosen you. It was his day. It didn't make him greater than the apostles or anyone else of the day, but it was a moment that he needed to hear he was chosen. And I feel like there's some of you in here today and some of you watching online, and I truly believe that this is a word for the church in America that's got to recognize I am chosen for such a time as this. And God wants me to begin to let that be a foundation. Listen, if we don't believe it, the winds and the waves are going to cause us to sink. If we don't keep our eyes on the fact that God has chosen me. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 4 says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Two of the three foundational things we've been talking about. The first one is, you've got to go God as Father. If you don't know that, then He's some big cosmic power in the sky. But if you know Him as Father, you'll live for Him. You'll trust Him. You'll die for Him. You will. Because when you've been loved by Dad, then you know that He'll protect you and He'll surround you and He'll fight for you. Second one is you've got to know you're loved. If you don't know you're loved, the enemy's constantly going to be telling you you're not enough. We've all lived that journey, right? Man, where you think, oh, like we talk about those first encounters of the love of God. Man, I'm so loved. And six weeks later, the enemy is like, God hates you and you're believing it. Or God's mad at you. Or God's got a little black book. I'm telling you, Jesus dealt with that book. He removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. I'm not saying he wants us to stay in our sin. I'm telling you, he dealt with it. And, and when you know that, then the truth is, the, I, the, I believe this, the, the connection between knowing that you're loved and the connection between overcoming sin, uh, it's 100% equal. When you know you're loved, you'll begin to walk out of sin. When you know you're loved, you'll begin to let Him sanctify you and put His finger on stuff and say, hey, that's not who you are. And you don't take it as a whooping, you take it as a yes, sir, and thank you for making me clean and real in you. And so loved is the second part. But the third one I feel is so important. And we may go back to these over and over. Why? Because if, if we're disciples, we have to know these. These are foundational for where He wants to take us. And the third one is chosen. And I shared the, the analogy when I spoke on this last time about, you know, like recess in elementary school. And... If you're the strongest or you were the biggest kid in here, you're like, oh yeah, that was a good time. Why? Because they got picked, you got picked first. Like when it came time, they line, you all remember, right? Everybody lines up. It's so funny when we get quiet, like, I don't remember that. Yeah, we do. We all lined up. And either the teacher picked two kids or the two biggest bullies were the, the captains, right? And they said, okay, now you pick. Now there was the dreaded one, two, one, two. One, two, one, two, one, two. All the ones over here, all the twos over here. Why? Because the smart kids knew don't stand next to your friends, stand one away. You know, everybody back there in the background knows exactly what I'm talking about. But then you had the days where they picked, and there was nothing like being last. Now, what's crazy is if people knew you and you, you were smaller and things, like you, but you were awesome at what you did, you didn't get picked last. But if you went to a new place... And they didn't know you. See, I grew up playing basketball, and you would go and write your name on the board at these, at like, playgrounds. And if they looked at you, they're like, hmm, 
no, that guy, we're not picking him. And, and it was nothing like not being picked. There was no feeling like it. Why? It makes you feel worthless. And it actually didn't even allow you to express your gifts, even if you were the best person on the field. And I believe that there's a, a huge problem in the body of Christ right now that, that, and some of it the church has created, but most of it the devil has. As he has been telling people that they're going to not get picked to do what God has for them. And some of it is the church hasn't seen the golden people, so it hasn't picked people either. But let's not blame it on the church. Why? Because the church needs the help of people understanding their call to stand up and say, I'm ready and I'm willing. Then let me, let me tell you, as a church leader, there's nothing like it when someone says, I will not be stopped. I'm ready to give my life. You'll be like that one. But you have to understand that you're chosen. And there's so much about the idea. Listen, listen to these two scriptures. What's he chosen us to do? Well, the first one, Psalm 65, 4 says this, that he's chosen us to live in his courts. See, because y'all thought I was going to immediately start with chosen to do some stuff. See, we always think that I'm chosen to do some stuff, but actually you're chosen to become someone first. You're chosen to get in his courts. Listen to what Psalms 65, 4, uh, let's read 3 because it's fun. It says, we were overwhelmed by sins. You forgave our transgressions. How about that verse? Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. He chose you to do it. He chose you not just to, hey, I need you to prophesy and do all this. I chose you to come be with me. To come live with me. To come be in my courts. To be don't you love the word near? I know I do. Because there's nothing like feeling distance from someone. The worst, right? Perceived or real. There's nothing like it. And God's saying, no, the first thing I've chosen you to do is to live near to me. It's really interesting. And, and this is a, like a sub, it's not a sub one. I don't have time to do it though. Is in Luke 10, he says, I've actually chosen to reveal the Father to you. He says, I've chosen you to reveal the Father to you. And we have to understand that God has chosen us to live in His courts. If we don't believe that, we literally think we're outer court people. So our behavior determines how much of the holy holies we get. Or, uh, or just even our belief system. But God is saying, you're in the courts. Now you can get as much as you want. You're in here with me. But if you don't believe that, and you don't keep your eyes on the truth that I'm chosen to live in the courts of God, the winds and waves will come, don't they? And the next thing you know, like, I don't even, I haven't even had an encounter with God. I haven't been around God in forever. And God's saying, you're chosen. You're in the courts. See, we've, we've based so much on how we feel. And I love, honestly, I love feelings. But I don't want them to dictate. I don't want them to drive the boat. Because sometimes I don't feel like I'm chosen, but i got a truth that i got to keep my eyes on. I'm like, I'm chosen. It's, it's amazing. You know, like when it comes to the promises of God, let's just, I'm going to use some personal ones for me. Like what he said about this place. You know that everywhere that Elizabeth and I go, they prophesy this place bubbling over with life, revival, and people. And then we walk in sometimes and it doesn't feel like that. Right? Yes. I mean, I know the life of God is in here. I will, I, I, man, I just love it when people say, hey, what's God doing? I said, let me tell you. But there's moments where if I take my eyes off of the truth, the enemy going to start lying to me like crazy. And I'm telling you guys, we got to know that we're chosen and we live in the courts of God. We're, we, we're near to Him. And so, whether you just feel like, I know people are like, I've been in a three-year dry spell. I'm like, what? Why? I, and then I, and I'm just going to get blunt. And then I tell them, that's your own fault. Because you are, you are chosen to be in the courts of God. And you should be, and, and I, it's not about feelings. You should just walk in there with great boldness and say, here I am. I don't feel like it right now, but I know I'm chosen. 
I'm coming in whether I feel like it or not. And then all of a sudden, your feelings begin to come in line with truth. See, there's nothing wrong with your feelings. They're telling you do something about it. Your feelings, they're not invalid. They're just not in charge. He's saying, hey, yeah, something isn't right. Get with it. Last night, after about 20 phone calls, maybe 30 of who wasn't going to be here today, I came in here and said, I am not okay with this, God. Not in a complaining way. I literally got my eyes fixed on him and said, Jesus, you took our sickness. Jesus, you did this. And I began to feel my emotions coming into line because I was already like, oh, it's going to be a wasted Sunday. It's going to just be terrible. And God was like, what are you doing? You're believing a lie. Get into the thing. Get them under control and get them in the truth. And all of a sudden, you'll be walking on water. Second quick one. i got to be quick. These are supposed to be introduction. Is that He's chosen us to bear fruit. John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Let's just keep reading because it's awesome. Fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name and the Father will give you. Man, I read that and I'm like, wait a minute. We're not seeing that yet. And he says, push in. Push in. I want you to bear fruit. I want you to bear fruit. I chose you to bear fruit. It's interesting that the fruit that we're supposed to bear, if we look at Ezekiel 47 and the river, and we're the trees, remember we're the trees? Is that the trees were bearing food and healing. And guys, I want to tell you that the fruit you're to be bearing is food. It's supposed to be something that someone can come and eat and be sustained and go on in their journey. And if you really like food, how many of you in here really like food? And I, I, I love a good, a good meal. Like, Dave Crone says it this way. He, he has to eat, but he loves to dine. And there's something about dining when someone has prepared, like, the most awesome meal, and it comes out. I mean, it, you don't just devour that thing like you're, you're starving. You, you take your time, and you're like, man, this is awesome. And you don't realize your body is receiving what it needs to do the journey. And God is calling us to bear fruit that gives food to other people. I love when Jesus says, hey, Jesus, there's a lot of people here and they're hungry. And he says, you give them something to eat. What he was saying, he's saying, hey, your roots are down in the ground of the water of God. They're down in the roots of me and you've got food to give. You've got food to give, so give them something. They didn't understand it. So they brought him a few fish and loaves and he said, now break them. You know, it's interesting, Jesus broke the first one, but they broke the rest. Why? Because he was showing them they had food to give. The second thing is that your, your leaves are supposed to be healing. You're supposed to be bearing the fruit of healing. And I don't mean just physical healing, even though we better be walking in that. That's our portion. But I'm talking about healing words. Healing looks. I looked at a person at HEB the other day, mask to mask. I mean, I hate it because people can't see me smile at them, so I'm like, you know, like, hey. And I, and, but the Lord just said, just look at them with love. And I thought of the verse where it says that he looked. It's the only verse that just says this about Jesus. He says he looked at the rich young ruler and he loved him. And I just looked at that person and I just, I just thought they're receiving the love of God right now as I just looked at them. And they, they were like, Whoa. And they just came over and shook my hand and said, what's your name? All I did was look at them. Why? Because I know there's healing in what's going on in me. It's a part of my leaves. And if we don't believe that we're chosen, we never get to do that. If we don't believe that we're chosen to bear fruit, then we're, we're trying so hard. Like, fruit, man. My lemon tree never thought in my backyard, i got to make lemons. It didn't. It just, it just knew where its roots needed to be. It needed a little water from us, and it made lemons. Last year, 535 of them. One little dwarf lemon tree. Pray for it. It had a rough snow bed. Very rough. It's now this big. What am I saying, though? Guys, you've got to know that you're called to bear fruit. You're chosen to bear fruit. He needs you to believe that because 
Listen, He might bring the person to you that recognizes, I want to eat the fruit of what's in William's life. And if William doesn't believe he's chosen, then then we don't offer it freely. It's not even about performance. It's just about they're going to come and pluck the fruit off of you. He's looking for you to bear fruit, but you've got to believe you're chosen. See, where the church went bad is they thought that everyone that stood up here was chosen. And these are the chosen folks. These are the ones that do the stuff and prophesy. Listen, right now I could pray for the spirit of prophecy to come in here and all of you could prophesy. Because you're all chosen to bear fruit. You're like, oh, don't do that. Not me. Yeah, you are. Why? Because it may be that your brother or your sister or your coworker or your family calls you and God says, tell them this. So you've got to know you're called to bear fruit or you won't. And we'll look at a barren generation of the church that's not recognizing they planted themselves with Jesus, but they didn't believe that He was enough. And then we've tried to train everyone to death. When you have all these merit badges, then you get to bear fruit. And I'm just telling you, that system is broken, guys. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're ready. How many disciples of Jesus in here? You're ready. Does that mean we get a shortcut on training you? Nope. But you'll be asking good questions and then we'll train. Like how come sometimes this doesn't work or how come that it's harder here or how come this is really easy here? And we'll train you in that. But guys, you've got to know you're chosen. So the Lord began to show me some things. Let me just say one more last thing about bearing fruit. It's all about where your roots are. Every time in the Old Testament it talks about bearing fruit, it immediately relates to where the roots are. Jeremiah 17, 7 talks about the, the roots of the tree are planted by the waters, right? Psalms 1, he's planted by the waters. You, it's all about your root system. So you work on the root system, the fruit's going to happen. You work on where you're planted. You work on where you're getting your nutrition from. You work on those things. You work on not being satisfied by four hours of Netflix. Listen, it's easy. It's easy. Oh, just watch another. Oh, one more. Oh, that one was good. One more. And Jesus is like, I'm over here. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Netflix. I'm saying when Netflix replaces your nutrition with Jesus, or maybe it's people. You know, I just love to be around people. And God's like, that's great. When are you going to be with me? What's feeding you? Where are your roots? I know where you're planted because you're chosen. I know where you're planted. But are you letting your roots get down to that water? Okay. Three quick things that's birthed out of knowing you're chosen. Turn with me to Deuteronomy. Apologize for all the Deuteronomy quotes. My Bible reading has me in Deuteronomy. Help him, Lord. Yes? Oh, y'all act so spiritual. <laughs> Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You're like, God, can I can't wait to get to Joshua. You know? Man, I just want to read the narrative. Give me something. But God speaks out of these. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 7.6. It says, for you are a people holy to God, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possession. Deuteronomy 14.2 says it again. He says, you are chosen by God to be His treasured possession. So what's... The first thing that's birthed out of knowing the revelation that you're chosen is it solidifies your identity. Now, there's been a ton of identity preaching in this church and a lot of churches, but I will tell you this. If we don't know our identity, you will never know you're chosen. If you don't know your identity, then, man, you'll never bear the fruit you're called to bear. Why? Because you'll be working too hard to earn it. And God is saying, I need you to recognize, just like Israel... Listen to what it says. I've chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth. Sometimes we need to recognize the grandness of God's scheme. His plan. And he said, oh, Sue, I looked down South Africa and I chose you. 
out of all the people. And, and I didn't just choose you. I want to tell you you're my treasured possession. Because if you're chosen, you're his treasured possession. If you're chosen, it's not like you squeezed into the back door of the family. He brought you in ring and robe. Ring and robe. He said, hey, here's my ring. I'm going to put it on you because you're my kid. Here's the signet ring of authority. And then he says, here's the robe. Here's the robes of righteousness and, and, and my delight. Here's the robes that everyone recognizes. Oh, that's glory and majesty on them. Why is that? Because you're wearing the robes of God. And he says, oh, and kill the fatted calf. See, if you don't think you're worthy of those things, then your identity needs to be solidified in the fact that you're chosen. If you don't believe that God meant, well, God didn't really throw a party for me. He did. It says actually that the angels rejoiced in heaven when you believed in Jesus Christ. It says that they partied. And like, I hate it on earth when we're like, couple people got saved. I'm like, come on, let's get after it. They just got the ring and the robe and they just had the, the party thrown for them. There is treasured possession. No, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to live it. Because in here right now, I could just feel like I know that. But do you know it when you don't feel like it? Do you know it when you had one of those days? Do you know it when your behavior did not match your identity that day. But you still, do you know I'm his treasured possession? I, he loves me. I mean, what Mel was talking about, it's, it's like we got to have those first love moments so that we can get in there and, and, and relive them again. It's like, oh man, he loves me. I was talking about one last week when I was talking about being in my bedroom at 17. I'm like, God, what do you want to say to me? He said, I love you. I love you. I love you. Why was he saying that? Because he was saying, you're my treasured possession. I'm showing up in your room right now because I, I, I treasure you. Oh, and your mind. Treasured possession. We like the treasure part. We're also his. That means we do what he says, we're gonna, he says to do. We're called to do and walk out what he says. But you've got to know you're treasured. If you cannot see yourself, I just want you to see that Jesus hung on that cross for you. And it will, man, what's, what's your life worth? It was worth Jesus's. That makes you valuable. He already declared your value priceless. So we, we have to understand that knowing we're chosen solidifies our identity. There's so much I could do right here on identity. There's so much. Child of God. There's so much that God wants to declare over you. But the most important thing is I think He wants you to journey into it with Him. Will you journey with Him? What's it look like to be treasured? I was, I was laying on the floor in my office. If you can't tell, that's probably my favorite spot. And I'm just in there. I said, God, what are we going to do today? And he says, I'm just going to tell you who you are. I'm like, oh, yeah, tell me. And he says, he said, I, lo- I, lo- I love to love you. I'm like, yeah, I know that. Now, tell me something big. You know, like, tell me something we're going to do. Why? Because we all love to know what we're going to do instead of who we are. I'm just telling you that if, if we put what we're going to do ahead of who we are, we'll always be out of order. And he, and he starts telling me, he's like, I just love being with you. I love your heart. I love it when you say yes. I love it when you struggle to say yes and you still do it. And, he, and, and then like, I had someone, I, the Lord made me sing like a month ago, and I was like, oh God, please, No. And someone texted me and they're like, that, that, that affected my life today that you sang. Oh, affected mine too. It's embarrassing. <laughs> and God was like, I'm so pleased when you do stuff like that. I'm so pleased when you love someone in the store. I'm so pleased when, you're, when you have fire for me when no one's watching. And I'm like, God, we're going to talk about like what we're going to do. And he's like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm readjusting you. Some of us just got to get in and let him readjust and solidify your identity. Number two, he wants to reveal your purpose. In Deuteronomy 18, 5 through 7, it's talking about the Levites, and he says he's chosen them to minister before the Lord. There was a people group among a people group that had a specific purpose. Now, here's an amazing truth I'm going to set you free from. 
not everyone in here has to do the same thing. We, we act like, yeah, we all know that. But then we judge it on the scale of what's, mo- what's more holy or what's, what's more spiritual. And we have this, and now all of our scales look different. Some people, it's like, I've got to be in full-time ministry to be holy. I know. i got people, I'm like, I think you're called to business. Like, nope. I'm like, I think you're called to business. You made a million dollars last year. Like, you know, like, and, and, but they have a scale that they're living off of that's, that's not productive in their life. Because they think that everybody has to do the same thing to be purposeful. See, God wants to reveal your purpose. Just like within the people of Israelites, there was the Levites, and He said, I've called them to minister before me. I've called them to be. It didn't say at that time no one else got to be in the presence of God. Good news, New Testament, we're all called Levites. So I just removed any lie from you right now that oh, I don't get to be one ministering before the Lord. You all are in the priesthood of God now. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're in the priesthood. And you're ministering before God. But you may have a specific purpose. And if you don't know you're chosen, I'm telling you, you will have a hard time finding your purpose. God wants to reveal His purpose to you. But He can't do it if you don't think you're chosen. Well, I, I think I might be. No, you've got to know I'm chosen. And all of a sudden, it's going to reveal it. And then it's going to be like, Paul, I already used him, but in Acts 9.35, it says this. It says, Paul, you are my chosen instrument. I love this verse so much. He says, I'm going to play you. And the sound that comes out of you is going to be me. And the sound that comes out of you, this is Tim's ad lib in Acts 9.15. says, the sound that comes out of you is going to be for the Gentiles. You're going to stand before kings. He did all those things. Just so we know, prophecy is real. He did all of those things. He said, but you're also going to know what it means to suffer for me. Well, I, I add that in because a lot of times when we talk about purpose, we don't talk about the hard times. We don't talk about what it looks like to, to just bear down and say, this is the purpose of God in my life and I will do it. And suffering is just part of the kingdom. All right, someone just walked around behind me there. But I, I just want you to know that God has, He wants to reveal His purpose to you and it's going to come out of the fact that the foundational piece you know you're chosen. Last one, I'm going to do this one because this one's going to take a little more time. It says the third thing that happens when we know we're chosen is it recalibrates us to His plan. It recalibrates us to His plan. I'm just going to, I'm going to read you a passage. Turn with me to Second Chronicles. The context of this is Hezekiah has just become king, Second Chronicles 29. Let's just start in 1. I'm going to read 1 through 11. It says, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother named Ab- Abijah, daughter of Zechariah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as the, his father David had done. In the first month of the first year, let's hear the time, first month, first year, Hezekiah had something in his heart to do. And when it became time, when he became king, he said, I'm going to do this. In the first month of the first year, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east side and said, Listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourself now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of our fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook Him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on Him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or, or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary of, the, of God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem, and He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with our own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and wives are in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that the fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not neglect now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before Him and serve Him 
to minister before Him and to burn incense. Now I know I just read a lot. But I, I just want to give you the context of the story. Is there's been a generation that has not followed after God. There's a, there's, a, there's a whole nation that has all these promises. Or there's a whole people that have all these promises from God and they're not seeing them happen. Right? They, God said, hey, I'm going to do all these things. But then He had to pull back. Why? Because they were not, they were not, doing, they were not fulfilling the things that He had put in their hearts to do. And at that time, thank God it's not in our time. It was like sacrificing bulls and goats. It was, it was law. It was, it was formula, which we're free of, guys. But he's still saying, I need a consecrated people. I've got to recalibrate everyone back to the plan. And Hezekiah is saying, hey, we're going after God in my reign. And so we're going to consecrate you back to the fact that you know you're chosen. To minister before the Lord. And I believe this. There has never been a greater time in our nation that we need to recalibrate back to the fact that we are chosen for such a time as this. Now, what are we chosen to do? Let me just say this. It's not political reform. Oh, But Tim, we need to stop. We need to minister before the Lord. We need to consecrate ourselves before God. We need to consecrate ourselves and just say, God, where have I been? Is there anywhere that's offensive to you? And I'm going to lay it before you. And he's going to say, I cleanse that. Now go, minister for me. And what will happen is we'll have a a group of people who not only can pray and prophesy, but they'll be carrying the heart of God. And they'll know him and he'll know them. See, it won't be the people that say, hey, you did all these things in my name, but I don't know you. He said, you're gonna, I'm going to know you and you're going to know me and you're going to be consecrated. Why? Because consecration takes radical obedience. But let me throw a wilder fact at you. I've been reading this book. It's about the Iranian underchurch. They refuse to use the word radical obedience because they believe it's more radical to disobey. Obedience is just the, the natural overflow of being a disciple disobedience is so radical, they're like, oh, they disobeyed. Obedience is just their consecration to God. It's the place where He says, do this. And you're like, oh, I don't know about today. It's like, you do it because He said it. Then your stories don't become how brave you were at H-E-B. It became how obedient you were to the Father's love for that person. See, He's consecrating us. Why? Because He's recalibrating us Back to His plan. Now, I want to be really clear. I believe that God is radically going to invade America. I believe He's going to invade the political system. I believe He's going to invade the economic system. I believe He's going to invade just the the people of America. Why? Because He loves His people. But you know how He's going to do that? With you. And all of your big books like Lindell's of radical encounter with Jesus, and then it comes and it overflows and it's consecrated. And I said, man, I didn't want to do it, but God let me walk on water today. It's going to invade. Listen, the way we're going to invade the political system is harvest. Like, you want people to vote Christian, or you, you want them to vote with morals and God's plan, and we don't want them to come to, I mean, we haven't pursued them to come to Jesus. And we're shocked that they voted the other way. Oh, it got real quiet in here, didn't it? What we're shocked. Like, how did this happen? Because we haven't discipled a nation in 30 years. We haven't seen people coming to the Lord in droves. We've just said we're a Christian nation and we vote Christian and these are the morals we have and all of a sudden we're surprised. And please don't get mad at me. I'm just saying I totally believe God's going to do it and I believe He's going to use you to do it. If you were discipling 10, 20 50 people, and those people caught the heart of God for life and for morals and for, for, for what everything that this nation was really built on, they'll vote right. So, no, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about harvest. I'm talking about what it looks like to disciple people. We've got to consecrate ourselves. We've got we to consecrate ourselves away from the plan of the enemy 
to get us worried and talk about the deck of cards and how the nation is failing and all those things. We've got to consecrate ourselves and say, God, I get myself right in here and minister to you. If you want me to be more political, I will not. I will not. Because my government is a government from heaven. And I know how it feels about America. Just like I know how it feels about Ukraine and the Philippines and Western Europe and Russia. He's feeling the same thing. He's saying, I want my heart released from my people. He's recalibrating us to His plan. If you're nervous right now, just let Him recalibrate you. Let Him recalibrate it. He's saying, come on. I'm, I'm turning you to the position of my heart. And it's easy to think about all the things you should be calibrated to, but I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to change the world is carrying the heart of the Father. And when Hezekiah looked at that generation and looked at everything his parents had done, he was like, there's only one thing we can do. We've got to recalibrate the priesthood to know what they're chosen to do. And they've got to start doing it, and we're going to have revival. Read the rest of Hezekiah's life. Yeah, there's some bumps in there. He makes a pretty bad decision at the end. But for 25 years, the nation of Israel lived in reformation and revival. Why? Because he took the people that were chosen and said, you will now do what you're chosen to do. And God is looking at His people, you, right now, and He's saying, you are chosen to do some things. And I'm looking at you, and I'm recalibrating your heart to say, consecrate yourself, because I want to use you to bring change to the nations. I want to bring you to bring change to your world. That's why it's written out there. You're a transformed people. Equipped to transform your world. Your world may be your family. Your world may be H-E-B that day. It may be your workplace. It may be your kids. Let your transformation overflow into your kids. And someone asked me this week, they said, man... How did you raise such awesome kids? I said, we didn't hide our transformation. We didn't hide our transformation. We brought them into the presence of God and let them have their own transformations. Say, well, what else? That's about it. Everything else we goofed up on pretty good bit. But God filled in the gaps. Let me ask you to stand up. You're chosen. Now we're going to go after some lies. Can we just go after a couple lies? If you're at home and you've... And you've been strong and listened and watched the whole time and you're watching right now, I just want to invite you into this moment. If you didn't believe in the lie or, or it's a repetitive lie that you overcome and then back underneath it that you're not chosen, I, I'd ask you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. There's a few hands in here. So the rest of you know you're chosen. That's awesome. Because where God wants to take you, it's foundational. Right now, so we just we just invite the Holy Spirit right now to come and 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 just show you how chosen you are. The other thing I just really feel like is like that there's there's been a spirit of disqualification over some of you that just like you you the minute you begin to think you're chosen, you immediately begin to think of all the things you did that should make you not be chosen. And I just want to tell you that that literally is the enemy digging up your old man. That literally is the enemy just with accusation against you. And God's saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. Because Jesus has taken that and removed it as far as the east is from the west. And so if you're just believing that lie right now. But the last thing is, I just feel like he just wants to recalibrate everyone in here today. So I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hands. You can put them out in front of you. You can raise them high. You can stretch us to the ceiling. Whatever you want to do, but just... Put your hands out, because I believe this. The Lord is totally recalibrating us and consecrating us and saying, hey, I need you to know that you're chosen for this generation. I need you to know that you're chosen to bring reform. You're chosen to love. You're chosen to love. You're chosen to love. You're chosen to love radically. You're chosen not to judge. You're chosen to see the golden people. You're chosen to to get into people's lives. And if it takes years to see them break out, you're still there working with them. You're discipling them. You're chosen to be disciples and disciple makers. 
He's recalibrating. He said, I don't need church attenders. I'm going to say it again. He doesn't need church attenders. He needs you to be the church. He needs you to be the church. It's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God will be declared to principalities and powers. He needs you to believe that you are the church. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. I just sense you and you're so strong right now. Some of you is giving strategy right now. Some of you is just giving pure devotion. Jesus, here I come. But they're both recalibrations in your heart. Now I'm going to make a declaration over you. You are a transformed people. Equipped to transform your generation. Let's say it one more time. You are a transformed people. A chosen people. Equipped to transform your generation. I believe that one of the recalibrations that the Lord is doing right now is He literally is putting a responsibility on us to take, to take on His heart for a generation. To take on His heart. It says this about David. It says when He, he had served His generation completely, He went to be with the Lord. May it be said of us when they put this earthly body in the ground, they served the purpose of God and their generation. And I just pray that the recalibrating that's going in you right now, that, that, that you, you were born for this generation. You were born for such a time as this. You were born to bear fruit, food, and healing coming out of your leaves. So we just receive the mandate today, God. We receive the mandate from heaven. If you're online, just receive the mandate from heaven right now. Receive it. God is literally putting a mandate. Be consecrated. Consecrate this place again. Consecrate your heart. You're the temple of God. So we just thank You, God, that we're chosen. We thank You, Lord, that You love us. And we thank You, God, that You're our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we just bless everyone in here that's going out today. We bless all those watching online. We bless them with health. We bless everyone in here with health. We just just declare this is a sickness-free zone. Your homes are a sickness-free zone. Your cars, your workplaces. We just declare that you are literally carrying the, the body of Christ on the inside of you and no sickness shall befall you. And we don't let our history dictate our future. We say we will not walk in sickness in this place. We bless every one of you. I bless you. I look at each section now and I say you're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. Devante, you're chosen. We bless all of you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, come on. If you're in here today and need prayer, I'm going to ask the altar team uh, if we have any here to be up front. I'll be up here down front as well if you need prayer for anything at all. If you're new with us and would like uh, to get more information, we're going to have intro hour next week after service. So we'd love to have you for that. Otherwise, Kelsey will be in the foyer and we'll have all of our flyers out there. So have a great week.